We're very thankful once again to be joined by Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst. Patrick, thank you so much for your time. Will, thanks for having me on. Wanted to visit with you today. There's been a lot of reaction to Governor Pritzker's budget address yesterday, which also serves as the state of the state address, but the budget usually gets most of the news coverage. It's a $52.7 billion budget. I guess the easiest, most broad question to ask is uh, when you listened to the speech and then reviewed the highlights, uh, was there anything you liked? Uh, What didn't you like? Well, we'll start uh, with some of the concerns. Uh, So, and some of it's been leading up over the last couple of years. When the state's revenues were strong and growing, uh, mainly from COVID relief dollars from the federal government and then inflation causing tax revenues to, to grow and swell. House Republicans warned uh, the other side of the aisle that we need to make sure we keep our budget in check and not allow it to grow with those uh, unexpected revenues because we're going to set a baseline for funding or spending rather that may not be matched by revenues going forward. Well, let's go to this year. We have another budget that is growing. We have revenues that, while not falling off necessarily, aren't going to grow at, at the pace that has occurred in the last couple years. And so we have a deficit that's been created of about $775 million. That is going to be offset by tax increases of just short of $900 million. So what we had warned over the last couple of years would occur, we now see is occurring. And, you know, of course, you can't go back in time and say you should have heeded our advice. But what we should have done then was look at taking those additional revenues, applying them to debt that's owed, and giving tax relief uh, to our citizens. And that way we would see not only not an expanded budget, but we would see benefits to our citizens directly through tax relief that would hopefully uh, cause our state's economy to grow and allow for more people to move into the state rather than move out of the state as we've been seeing. So, of course, one of the most controversial aspects of the budget has been the $182 million for assistance for migrants, illegal immigrants coming in from uh, South America, Mexico, some of which have been bussed here by the state of Texas. Obviously, I think most people want to be compassionate, but at the same time, there seems to be even division amongst Democrats about whether or not the state ought to be funding these new arrivals or pumping more money into current residents who are struggling? Well, I think we have two things that are unsustainable. One is the federal government's current immigration policy that is just not sustainable. The number of people coming into the country, we cannot continue to maintain that and be able to financially support it, which we shouldn't be asking our citizens to do. But our state policy is also unsustainable because we are, in addition to providing assistance for migrants and assisting Chicago in dealing with the migrants who are coming uh, up from uh, Texas, we are also providing hundreds of millions, even over a billion dollars in medical assistance to people who are in the country illegally. Now, and those are basically two separate things. One is the migrants who come up and are, are asylum seekers and who have under federal law 
requested asylum, and that needs to be reformed and fixed. But then we have another group of people who are not here legally who are able to receive state Medicaid-style health care at 100% cost to Illinois citizens. And those costs added together are in the hundreds of millions and now billions of dollars that is uh, an impact to the state budget. And it is crowding out other programs that are are needed. It's crowding out the ability to provide any tax relief. It is basically putting a tremendous pressure on the budget. And, and to your point, we're seeing uh, concerns not ex- only expressed by Republicans, but by some on the other side of the aisle who are saying, look, we have needs in our communities that need to be addressed that aren't able to be addressed because of this additional funding. And uh, you know, as a state, we need to reexamine how we're dealing with it, particularly as it relates to uh, the medical benefits that we're providing that many other states, in fact, most other states are, are not providing. Well, someone once said you can't make other people well by making yourself sick. And that, um, in some ways, I think, uh, relates to the concept of you know, trying to be uh, generous to all, but at the same time, what impact is it having on your ability to provide other services? And it uh, speaks to the concept of Illinois governor or government being a mile wide and an inch deep. Like we right. uh, we try to do everything for everybody, but then the depth to which we are doing things uh, becomes shallower and shallower. Uh, Patrick Windhorst is with us today. Um, there was also a, a proposal yesterday as part of the budget to eliminate the state's share of the sales tax on groceries. Uh, I think, you know, that probably elicited, elicited the most uh, bipartisan uh support of, of anything that was proposed yesterday. I know, you know, as a, as a mayor, I know some of my fa- fellow mayors may be opposed because it could impact municipal revenues, but um, what are your thoughts on that concept? Well, I, I applaud the concept. I think eliminating that tax is appropriate. Uh, it will help provide assistance, particularly to low-income uh, individuals who are purchasing groceries. I think we should eliminate the tax. However, what we saw by the governor proposing that, and it did, I believe, get the largest applause of anything that was said during the speech, he is, in essence, going to get credit uh, or attempting to get credit for something that has no burden to the state's budget. And by that, I mean it's the municipalities that receive that 1%. It's collected by the state but provided to the municipalities. So, in essence, the municipalities are the ones that would suffer by the elimination of that tax. So, our proposal from the House Republicans is, uh, yes, let's eliminate the tax, but let's do as we was done um, the last time the tax was uh, suspended, well, it wasn't eliminated, but suspended, and let's make those municipalities whole with uh, providing money from the, the state's budget. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in local government. I'm a firm believer in local control. The state puts a lot of burdens on local government and a lot of unfunded mandates. And this is one way for the state to enact what I believe is a good policy in eliminating that tax, but also make sure that municipalities are appropriately funded to deal with the issues that they're facing. I also found it interesting that there was a conversation in the address yesterday about passing a law which would prevent health insurance companies from doing pre-authorizations on various procedures and i haven't had time to 
really study the details on this. Of course, pre-authorizations are done in order to make sure that, you know, procedures are truly necessary. Of course, I don't know that there's any business that's less popular at times than insurance companies, so it's sort of easy to attack them. Uh, have you heard any more details about this particular proposal? We, we have not, other than what was outlined yesterday. Uh, the State Medical Society has uh, expressed support for the changes, at least uh, in a summary form that we have them now. I know there is concern. I think it's bipartisan concern uh, that uh, what is available to, to patients that are, have uh, procedures that are approved by their doctor and then may have a non-medical professional at an insurance company not approving those or, or requiring other procedures to occur first. So I think it's a policy proposal that's worthy of our consideration and examination. We just want to make sure we are not becoming an outlier uh, in Illinois as it compares to the rest of the country so that our insurance rates are, again, so much higher that uh, it makes it difficult for people to afford uh, health insurance. So there's a delicate balance that must occur. I think most everyone would agree that doctors should be making these decisions along with their patient. And if a, if a procedure is approved, then uh, you know, that needs to be uh, funded by insurance where, where the policy calls for it. But at the same time, we have to make sure that the policy is, is uh, wise and doesn't have unintended consequences. Was there anything else that stood out to you from either the address itself or the ancillary conversations that came out of it yesterday? Well, the only thing I would say is, the thing that struck me is almost that the speech was could almost be roughly divided in half. We had the policy proposals and the, uh, the what do you consider, as you said, the budget address. And then about midway through, the governor took a turn and and it almost felt like it was a hyper-partisan turn where he was directing comments at uh, former President Trump and, uh, you know, even referencing and passing California, suggesting that there was somewhat of a national focus to this speech uh, that really wasn't appropriate. Uh, you know, they, there was, I felt like in the first half of the speech, an effort to draw support for policy considerations that, you know, we're willing to consider uh, with the budgetary pressures that we do have. But then to take such a partisan turn in the second half uh, suggested there with something else in mind, I'm you know don't want to speculate about what that is, but uh, it, it was uh, disappointing that it took that direction, and uh, you know it was really I felt like something that was not necessary. You know, we we want our leaders to lead, and where we can uh, find common ground to work together, we need to, but unnecessary uh, hyperpartisan language isn't necessary. Well, you know you don't want to. You know, you don't want to speculate, but I will. And I think that it's obvious that Pritzker has presidential aspirations. I mean, those rumors have been around even before he was sworn into his first term. And so, uh, you know, I I don't know. There's obviously a lot of uh, political wheels and things that have to turn for, you know, something like that to to happen. But, uh, you know, you, those types of partisan turns and these sorts of speeches inevitably play into more speculation concerning his aspirations to Washington. Right. And I think that's uh, the, the remarks he made bear out that analysis. All right. Uh, I want to turn from the speech yesterday to a specific piece of legislation that uh, has been 
commented on by a number of my listeners over the last few days. We talked about it last week on my program I did, and it's uh, House Bill 4876, and it's uh, been introduced by Representative Anna Stava-Murray. She probably could be uh, evaluated as the most liberal member of the Illinois General Assembly. It's kind of a difficult race to discern who's leading there, but uh, this would amend the abused and neglected Child Reporting Act, and it would essentially say that any individual who lives in the same home as a child who is denied access to abortion or gender-affirming services could be uh, found guilty of child abuse and subjected to evaluation by the Department of Children and Family Services. Uh, Representative Windhorst, what's your thoughts on this piece of legislation? To me, this is a... uh a deeply troubling piece of legislation. Uh, it is outrageous to think that uh, we would have legislation such as this that would intrude on the family on these sensitive issues in, in this way. Uh, so just so your listeners understand, by if this were to become law, uh, this would allow the Department of Children and Family Services to investigate families where a minor child was prohibited from obtaining abortions or was denied gender-affirming care. And uh, DCFS would then investigate, and if it was the evidence shown that either of those things was true, then uh, abuse or neglect case would be opened uh, in the county and potentially filed in court, and an effort would be made to uh, remove the child from the home. And ultimately, it could lead to a termination of parental rights down the road. Outrageous. Just no other way to to put it, uh, you know. And, and just to show how where this could lead, if you're talking about the gender affirming care. If a, a child were to go to school and express that desire, and uh, the parents didn't allow for those uh, gender affirming services to be provided, you know, you know, a school counselor is a mandated reporter to the Department of Children and Family Services who would be required to report this under law. And that would initiate uh, these proceedings, uh, or at least the investigation. So th- this uh, hopefully will will not go anywhere. It's uh, currently in rules. It's not been assigned to a substantive committee. I, I note that uh, the bill has no other co-sponsors. Uh, so we will see what occurs with the bill if it, if it gains any traction. I would note uh, Representative Kelly Cassidy is also uh, a progressive who has been uh, – someone who has been very vocal on abortion-related issues as well as uh, gender-affirming care-related issues. Uh, She, when asked about it, directed her remarks toward other bills, not this bill, Uh, and uh, she has not joined uh, as a a co-sponsor. So I think that that uh, is telling. Now, if she does join or, you know, starts to support the bill, then that may suggest that this bill would gain some traction but definitely one i'm watching uh it's when i speak to to groups it's often one of the two or three bills i highlight for this session for individuals to to keep an eye on because it's deeply troubling well there is a very uh popular account on twitter and uh, instagram called the libs of tiktok which is run by a woman that posts uh content uh from liberals that seems extreme and they shared this specific piece of legislation. So, um, you know, that would have reached 
tens of millions of people over the last couple of days. Um, so it certainly is getting a lot of attention. Well, we uh, appreciate your time uh, very much in terms of uh, helping to recap the budget address and uh, focus on that piece of legislation. So, Representative, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, hope you have a great day.